0: Well, good morning, LCM. It's Sunday, March 15th, 2020. And the title of today's sermon is Drenched in Identity. Drenched in Identity. You know what, church? We're doing more than just talking about divine dimensions. We are experiencing the powerful, transformative nature of the kingdom of God in our everyday lives. Hasn't this series been opening your eyes to see divine dimensions in the normalcy of life? Well, look and see how pertinent the context of divine dimensions are in our society and culture and current events right now. Our world has been infected with a pandemic. The pandemic of fear, a viral, contagious fear. You know, the church of the living God is the pillar and foundation of truth, as mentioned in 1 Timothy 3.15. We are those who do not shrink back. That's right. Let me say it again. We are those who do not shrink back, Amen. but who forcefully advance our way into walking into kingdom truths. A kingdom filled with boldness and a kingdom that is full of reality.
1: Church, thankfully, uh, our president has called and assigned today to be a National Day of Prayer about this pandemic. Um, he's asking churches across the country to pray about the current state that we're in. You know what the ironic part is, though? Today, on the National Day of Prayer asked for by our president, we encourage each and every one of us to pray about what's going on. But the ironic part, the troubling part, is that many, many churches in our country have actually canceled their services today vying for an online or an at-home experience. The The truth is, listen, the truth is is that we've gone and allowed the CDC to determine whether we go to church or not, but we should be allowing the DCD yeah! attitude to determine it. Woo! Yeah. Homiletic blade. It should literally be that we don't care a damn about what's going on. Amen. We are part of the overwhelmingly overcoming, powerful church of the living God. Yeah, we are. See, we are not people who are going to run away from the very house of God. We're going to run to the house of God. But I want to to read a scripture to you out of Matthew chapter 24. Turn there with me. Matthew 24, 4 says this, Jesus answered, watch out, watch out, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things might happen. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. And listen to this. Kingdom against kingdom. What's going right now is a battle between two kingdoms. The Lord has been talking to us about divine dimensions. That when you're drenched in the blood, the predictable pattern is that you will be drenched in oil. And when you're drenched in oil, you're able to be walking and drenched in your identity. There'll be famines and earthquakes and maybe even pestilence, maybe even pandemics in various places. All of these are just the beginning of the birthing pains. Church, it's kingdom against kingdom here today. This is what you're seeing in the circumstances that we now find ourselves in. His kingdom against kingdom, the kingdom, the divine dimension that we are walking in contrasted with the very earthly, ignoble kingdom of the world around us. See, we are walking in a kingdom today. You are walking in a reality that far surpasses any situation that you could possibly be in. Man, today is going to be a good day here in the house of the Lord. It is going to be a right kind of day.
0: It's the kind of day when we recognize our identity. That we have the kingdom of heaven at work within us. We have our identity that's being displayed through the divine dimensions. Our eyes open in these things. But here's something that's unique, guys. We're not just talking about the divine dimensions. We're not just talking about being drenched in identity. We are living in the reality of being drenched in identity. We're living in the reality of having his kingdom here, his kingdom now. Because we are the church. We are the bride of christ the living organism that god has chosen to display his identity on earth we are the ones who have been drenched in blood therefore that predictable pattern is seen and being drenched in oil oil right on top of blood that his mighty eternal spirit is with us and is empowering us right here and right now amen we are drifting Drifting in the spirit, feeling the exhilaration of innate, raw power. That feeling that we are dangerously out of control, much like riding with a few of you youngsters with new driver's license. But the church, church, we are moved towards an intentional direction that does not correlate with the direction that we are trying to steer things. We're all about cutting the anchors and drifting with the, where the Spirit's gonna lead us. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is here. Say here. Here. The kingdom of heaven is now. Say now. Now. It's not the there and the later. It's not something in a distance that we're just hoping arrives on our doorstep like a package from Amazon. We're sending you a notification today. It's here, it's now. The package has been delivered, and you have it in your possession. As we turn to Luke 5, we want you guys to understand that the anchors of fear, self-sufficiency, compartmentalization, have no part in who we actually are. Let me say this again. Fear, self-sufficiency, compartmentalization, have no part, can play no part, in defining who we actually are and what we must do today. We're going to be driving towards this point of what you must do here, what you must do now. Because today we're going to rid ourselves of identity theft that is looming and become drenched in identity. Are you ready to be drenched in identity? You're ready to reclaim the identity that has been stolen from
1: you and now lay hold of it like a title deed in your hand. Come on now. Luke chapter five and let's start in verse five. We're going to be reading to you from the NASB in this passage. It says this, Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. Okay, so you understand the context of what's going on. We worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. These fishermen as a craft were out there working, and they were working, and they were working, and they were trying, and they were trying, and they were trying. And Jesus says, yeah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to cast your nets. Master. That sounds appropriate, doesn't it? Master. We worked hard all night, but we've caught nothing. This is actually a picture. We're starting off with what a real attitude of Simon Peter looks like. But maybe we're going to find out a little bit about our own attitudes in this place today. Master. I mean, we're going to use the proper the proper terms for you. Look, what you may not understand, Lord, is that we've been working hard all night. See, I've been trying to cultivate the soil of my heart. I've been trying. I've been working hard all night. I've been working hard this whole time that we've been preaching on this. See, I've been working hard all night. And I've caught nothing. See, I've been working really hard, but the problem is, is I haven't gotten the full benefits of what I've been going for yet. Master. See, I hear my pastors teaching this, and I've been trying. I mean, I've been working hard all night. The problem isn't that I haven't been working. The problem is, is that I haven't gotten any results yet. Huh. But I will do as you say. Clearly a a spectacular attitude going on here. Fine, you're Jesus and all. <laughs> I don't really have a right to refuse you, so I'm going to go ahead and do what you say. Fine, I will do as you say and let down the nets. <sighs> See, maybe you've come here to church today, and you're like, hey, you don't understand, pastor, I mean master, that I've been working hard all night. It just is not doing in my family what you say it's supposed to do. Ooh. But fine, fine. Fine, we'll go ahead and try. We'll have another service where we come in and hear about the victory of the Lord. We're going to hear about sonship that he has destined for us. Fine, I'll go ahead and drop my nets. Verse 6. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish. And their nets began to break. Church, this is not, we are not a a type of a group that's going to be preaching prosperity as if you need more stuff. Clearly, that's what our lack is right here in America, is that we all need more stuff. Well, that's ridiculous. What we're saying is there is a harvest. There are things that the Lord is trying to do as he is helping us. We are saying, I feel like everybody around me is drinking crazy juice right now. When you go to the store and they have lines outside of certain stores to get basics, and I don't know why, toilet paper seems to be the thing that no one can live without. Forget the food, forget the water, just give me toilet paper. Oh, 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 okay, great. I feel like I'm in the midst of a crazy world because I'm walking in an entirely different dimension. I'm not worried at all. You can send me to Wuhan, China, or wherever the epicenter is now, I'm totally fine. I will book a flight right now, they won't let me. But I would... Please let me. I'll go right now. <laughs> the thing is is what you have to do is continue to do exactly what the master is telling you to do and you are going to see these kind of results. Their nets began to break so they signaled their partners in the other boat because this is never just about you. What the Lord gives you is never just for you. It's always for those around you as well. Come and help them and they came and filled both of the boats. So many fish That not just them, not just the boat they were in, but them and their friends, their partner, their ministry partner, those they're in covenant with, maybe those they're in the jarhead covenant with. Both are so blessed that the weight of it is like, I can't even take any more of this. I'm about to sink from the blessings of God. From, Lord, you don't understand, we've worked all night. Lord said, yeah, uh uh-huh, just do what I say. This, This is a picture of us today. This is not for somebody somewhere else. I hope you're watching it on the recording. Amen. This is for us. See, this is our attitude. You got to continue on. And let's look in verse 8 to see how it continues.
0: But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. What do the miraculous and abundant provisions of God do to your heart? Because in this case, Simon Peter, he's the only one who gets it. All of his other companions, all of those around him, they were amazed at what was happening. They had to run and go get a second boat. And both of them were so filled that boats began to sink. I'm sure they were rejoicing. Yes, we've labored all night. Yes, we did it. And, you know, this guy named Jesus told him to do this again. And look, look, we have all this provision. Peter's heart was revealed. He saw it. He saw immediately his level of faithlessness in just the simple thing that Jesus said, do it again. Just do it one more time. And though his hands were obedient, his heart was defiant. And now, when the provision and miraculous power God has displayed, he has an awareness. Such a clear awareness of his state. But that's not where he stayed. Yes, we're asking the Lord, expose, show us the soils of our heart so that we can actually do something about it. And begin to see miraculous provision of transformation inside of us. But it starts with a transparency. A transparency of owning up to what you really are and what you really did. So that he can bring you to your identity of who you are to be in place of it. He wants to drench Peter. He wants to drench you. Drench me in our identity And that compels us to have to do something about it. Look in verse 9. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John. So I I thought you just said all his companions. But even singling out those that were close to him and those that would be important figures in the word these sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. He could have said that to him before he threw the net in uh, the second time. But he allowed Peter to come to that point of transparency, awareness, and and clarity of his state so that he could give him his identity. Do not fear from now on. Say now on. Now on. Do you see now a a pivotal change in direction and what that purpose is? Here comes the identity. From now on, you will be catching men. He just gave him his identity because he had the, the awareness of his condition and state. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So wait a minute. Peter's the one who first displays faithlessness. He is also the first one to display an awareness, an acknowledgement of his state. He is the one that Jesus speaks to, to not be afraid, receives from Jesus a now on you will be this identity. But look at what it did. They left everything and followed him. What begins to happen whenever you hear the word of the Lord and you are aware of your state? And then he begins to say, hey, Nolan, hey, guys, do not fear. From now on, this is your identity. From now on, this is your purpose. You begin to walk in it. And guess what? It's going to have a gravitational pull. It's going to pull them into the same anointing oil that has drenched you with your identity. It's going to help them find their identity. What happens when you begin to realize the mezuzah, the purpose statement that God has given you, your core function, it is going to bring revival to everyone else around you to the point they're willing to cast off every anchor. They're willing to cut everything loose to get the exact same drop of heaven of identity that you've received.
1: Come on, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 26. Man, isn't it amazing? Once again, we see Peter. He is the voice of the group, but you can tell that everyone is thinking the exact same thing. Which should let you know: just because you don't say it, doesn't mean that you're not living in the same reality as that. <laughs> may just mean that you're uh, having a fear of what other people may say, may think if you actually said what you really thought. Mm. See, Peter is just bold. Enough. He just said it. Fine, I'll throw the nets on the other side. Yeah, but they were all in the exact same condition. See, Leviticus 26, verse 13 teaches us something important. It says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptian. See, wouldn't you think that that's kind of self-evident? I am God. I brought you out so you would no longer be slaves. Come on. See, when you get a revelation of who he is, then you're allowed to get a revelation and be drenched in your identity. I am the Lord, your God. What did I do for you? I brought you out so you would no longer be under the slavery of the worldly system. I brought you out so you could come and be my son. Yeah, I broke the bars of your yoke. (laughs) Let's let's put this in terms of what we've been studying as a church. He cut away your anchors and enabled you. Somebody say enabled. Man, that is a good word for us today. The Lord is enabling you to walk. Because these people were drenched in identity, they were able to walk. But how were they able to walk? They were able to walk with heads held high. Be able to stand up and say, I know exactly who I am. I'm not intimidated by you because I know exactly who I am. Man, I can actually look forward to someone else succeeding. Why? Because I know exactly who I am. I am drenched in my identity. I can walk with my head held high because I'm a son of the living God. I have the authority of the heavens at my disposal. I have my DNA that has been changed by God Himself. I reflect God now. That means when I walk into a room, I am so thankful for doctors. God bless them. But I am not at the mercy of a doctor when I walk in his office or her office. I am not at the mercy of of a judge when I walk into a courtroom. I am not at the mercy of anyone. Why? Because I represent God. I am an ambassador of Christ. My authority trumps any other authority. So as long as I'm walking and drenched in my identity, I have no fear. I can actually walk with my head held high. Not looking at the ground. Not not embarrassed or apologizing for who I am. Walking with your heads held high. Church, this is for us. There are many of us who are parroting the right things, but you are not walking with your head held high. You're not walking in a confidence, not an arrogance. Good God, we understand what that is. But a confidence that you are sons and daughters of God. You are the children. You have been empowered with the same victory that He walks in. That when you hear a prophecy, you know it is for you. He is talking to you. And you must respond as if what He said is absolutely true. Regardless of what your eyes see. Come on now, He can break the bars of fear off of us. He can He can cut away yeah. those anchors of compartmentalization and self-sufficiency. See, He can He can remove that identity theft and remind yeah. you so that you're drenched in your identity. Man, you want to talk about walking with heads held high? That's exactly what we're going for today. Somebody say drenched. Drenched. You got to be drenched in your identity today so that you can walk with your heads held high.
0: With your heads held high, turn to Joshua chapter 7. Say drenched whenever you're there. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Very common passage. Many of us are familiar with it. There's something unique that we notice in the first verse. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully. You know what a clear understanding of this from the Hebrew is? Embezzlement. That they embezzled in regard to the devoted things. See, God had wanted all of the plunder of Jericho to be destroyed. And there was an unfaithfulness. I'm just going to siphon off a little bit for myself of what God said I could not have. Because I don't really trust that he's going to provide for me what I need. Unfaithfulness is embezzlement in the kingdom of God. Let me say this again. Faithlessness is robbing you of the confidence you need to walk in your identity. Faithlessness is robbing God. From the fruit that comes from you walking in your identity. You know, in Joshua 6, it talks uh, the story of Rahab. She escaped her national destiny. And that national destiny was to be part of a city that was going to be destroyed. When it says devoted in Joshua 7, when it, says, uh, it talks about the story of Joshua 6 of where Rahab lived... Those things were devoted to destruction. It's like that nasty garbage bag that you set outside. It's not even worth going to put in a garbage can. It's going to bring it straight to the road because it's so wretched. And what God was able to do is rescue a prostitute from being devoted to destruction. And she received a new identity. There was an awareness of her own state. And by being aware of her own state, she knew what to do to get to salvation. And that was to join the identity of the people of God. In that, she became part of the lineage of the Messiah. In that, she claimed a right for women to be made new in their identity. No longer defined by their past, but now praised for their
1: future. Let's look at Joshua chapter 7 and verse 6. See, right after this, the Lord set the stage for us and he said, they've been unfaithful. Uh, we were talking to Ohad yesterday and we were saying, what does this say in the, in the Hebrew? And he said, I, I, I have to think about the word. He said, it's like theft. We're like theft? Like when you steal from your employer. We said embezzlement? He said, yes, that's the word. Unfaithful is translated in our version as, un, it's, the word is translated as unfaithful. See, what happened is after their unfaithfulness, they went out in a battle, something they should have easily won, and they got stomped. They got defeated. And now we're in verse six. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same. Wow. The man of God, the leader of the nation of Israel, falls on his face. Ah! What is happening The elders did the same thing. They even sprinkled dust on their heads. In other words, showing I can't get any lower. I'm literally, the dust is above me. And Joshua said, Ha, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Wait a minute. Let let me let you in on a secret here. Joshua is not repenting. He's praying. He's tearing his clothes. He's crying out to the Lord. But listen to what he's saying. Why did you bring us here if we're not going to have perpetual victory in everything that we ever set our hand to? Why did you bring us here to then deliver us to our enemy? If only we had been content, somebody say content, content to stay on the other side of the Jordan away from the promised land. Come on, Joshua. Come on, LCM. I'm pretty sure that the Lord brought me here so that I could be destroyed. Yeah, you laugh at it because you should. That's a ridiculous statement. And yet, if we were showing and honest and transparent about our own hearts. The Lord has done this and he's brought me here to just confine me. If only I had been content to stay somewhere else. How dare you think that? How dare you have longings and thoughts that you allow to stay in your mind that said, if only I were content before I got here. If only I could be content with where I was before. The Lord brought you here, but He didn't bring you here to destroy you. He is drenching you in your identity. He is walking with you in a way. How can you think about being content somewhere else? You know, it was easier before we came here to LCM. I, I thought our marriage was happier. No, you just didn't know how screwed up you really were. I got some honest, transparent people going, that's so true. (laughs) Yeah, but we didn't fight before. It's because you didn't even have enough fight in you to do it right. If only we had been content to stay over there. Shame on us. If you entertain that for a second, shame on you. Look at verse 8. Oh, Lord, what can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies. He's continuing on. He's not done yet. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you this. Anybody ever, once you start letting the wrong things come out of your mouth, it just kind of rolls out in a vomitous kind of way? Yeah. Just can't stop it. It just keeps coming out like, you, like you're just sick. You made yourself sick. <laughs> no, this is Joshua. Man of God. Here it is. <laughs> you're laughing because you're guilty. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I understand. (laughs) Joshua was saying, my circumstances have now determined my identity. I lost on the battlefield. What's going on? I don't know who I am anymore. I'm Joshua. All I've done has been victorious. (laughs) If there were failures, it was when Moses was leading. See, this is my first actual time. That's good. See, this is my first time of me being in the driver's seat. And not doing exactly what I thought I would do. It's challenging my own pride. It's challenging my identity. Because I'm letting the circumstances determine my identity. The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. And they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name, dear God? You think he's worried about God's name in this moment? Don't you and I pray the same kind of twisted prayers? Lord, I mean, what will people think about your great name? You ain't worried about his name. you worried about your name. you worried about what it's going to look like on you because you hadn't gotten it right. But I failed. And this is why we run to a private kind of pride. Because if, if I were actually transparent, then, then then what about the name of the Lord? Come on. Let's be, let's be real in this place. You're worried about your own name. Yeah. Yeah. you worried that somebody's going to think less of you. <laughs> Are we worried about his name or actually ours? Mm. Come on, let's, look, let's keep going to verse 10.
0: Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Let me say this again because this has an exclamation point on it. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? But I thought, I thought that being broken and on my face is repentance. I thought that's a good place to be. It's a good place to be if you have actually the right motive. What pastor just got through speaking about is a faithlessness that was inside of Joshua. A faithlessness that was, that was saying, if only I hadn't stepped out and tried to do something for the Lord. If only I just stayed on the other side of the, of the Jordan and just been content to be near the identity of what he called me to, but not fully walking in it. Because every time I try to walk and step into my identity, look what happens. I fail. My first time out the gate, bam. Literally, I fell on my face. And the Lord looks right at him and says, stand up. Get up. What are you doing on your face? What are you doing down here swimming in your self-pity? Just content to stay in that position of having sympathy for your sinful state. Sympathy for your sinful state. You know those conversations that you have with the Lord? You get before his face, and you're just going on and on of how much you're a failure, how much you can't do this, that everybody else sees the potential of what you can do, but just look at all the reasons why I can't, I can't, I can't. And the Lord just shakes you. And he says, stand up. What are you doing to the identity that I put inside of you? What are you doing disgracing the image for which I created you? Stand up on your feet. Get out of self-pity. Get out of the self-sympathy. Take the party hat. Take the little kazoo. Throw them away. Burn them. in that pity party that's going on. And by doing so, when you stand up and begin to actually repent, you get up and repent, then you're able to be drenched in identity. You're not letting... Your heart be defined by mistakes when you try to step out and do something for the Lord. When you do, I promise you, he will speak so clearly. He will make it known and manifest exactly what your identity is. And you got to own it. Own it. You're down here at the altar, you're groveling, and the Lord speaks to you and says, Stand up and be the man. Be the woman of God that I called you to be. You have to rise up. You have to get up
1: and begin to take action in that identity. Let's look at verse 11. Church, you don't need more sympathy. You need to be drenched in your identity. You do not need sympathy. You think you need more sympathy. The problem is, is you're already so sympathetic to your own ways. You don't need more sympathy from anybody else. And you surely don't need to continue to walk in sympathy for the things that you do that are not correct. You just got to be drenched in your identity. Look at verse 11. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They put them with their own possessions. They've embezzled it. Hey, church, can I encourage you? The situations that you're in are not as complex as you think they are. Yeah. What you are involved in is simple. Some say it's simple. It's simple. You know what makes it complex? When you have so much sympathy for yourself that you're not walking in your identity. This is not a complex issue. Why did we lose this battle? I don't understand. Ah, what have you done, Lord? This is simple. You sinned. You're not walking in your identity. You're not drenched in identity. You're trying to be drenched in sympathy. And he said, this is simple. It's just sin. You've got to to get rid of this. You've got to take care of this now. Look at what it says in verse 12.
0: This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. That's simple. Not complex at all. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Is there something, is there something that is very simply stealing your identity An identity theft that's going on? And it tries to display itself as this riddle wrapped within an enigma, wrapped in whatever else, the universe that it, the turmoil and chaos that you're experiencing tries to make itself so generalized and untangible when it's really just this one singular area of idolatry and the Lord is wanting you to destroy it. I mean, cutting away the anchors that have made you liable, lousy, lethargic, limp, ineffective, unproductive. And that by cutting them away, you are cutting yourself away from that that being liable to destruction, that devoted item to destruction. Oh, what it must be like once those things begin to cut away. Now you have the predictable pattern of the Lord fighting for you, of the Lord being on your side because
1: you are first now on his side. Look at verse 13. Go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord... The God of Israel says, that which is devoted is among you. The things that should be destroyed, the things, see, you can't get lost in the word devoted. In this case, it's something that was devoted to destruction, which was devoted to the Lord. Things that were devoted to the Lord that we've kept for ourselves. Our identity, which must be found in him, that we're trying to define on our own. See, you got to consecrate yourself and understand that the things that go to the Lord are His and He gives us the right kind of identity. He drenches us in identity. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. The verse before said that they turned their backs and ran. Is that not what the majority of our society is doing today in our current situation? I don't expect the world to do anything different than what the world does. I expect the church of the living God to not be people who will turn their back and run. I absolutely have that expectation because we're walking in a divine and a different dimension. See, why can't you seem to get victory in this area? Church, we're helping you today. Uh, we're explaining why you might have been, been fishing all night and been working hard, but you weren't catching anything. We're we're telling you how to get victory. The prophecy that came forth this morning, there was a prophecy about us grinding our enemy in the ground until they are like fine like dust. Absolute, complete, total victory. See, we're trying to get to a victorious part here. We've got to understand where we are and understand that we haven't really been walking drenched in identity yet. Thank God a couple of weeks ago we started understanding and being drenched, drenched in the blood. Praise God that last week, we started to get drenched in the oil of His Spirit. We start to understand and have that empowerment. But that has to lead us to being drenched in our identity. It has to lead us to understanding who we are so we can walk with our heads held high. You cannot stand until you remove these other things that are devoted to the Lord, but you are trying to keep for yourself. Come on now. As this goes on, the people start narrowing it down. They narrow it down from the tribe to the clan to the family. Let me encourage you what the Lord is helping us to do right now. Don't think about it as different people in the crowd, and the Lord, like on a kiss cam at a game, and you finally get to people. Thank you. Thank you. I was trying to help a brother out. You're welcome. He's married. He can do this. This is good. Don't think about it as trying to single out a sing, uh, trying to narrow it down to a singular family. Think about it within you, church. Yeah. Is it your thoughts, or is it your emotions, or is it your will? Not now, now that we've narrowed it down to your thoughts, is it thoughts about your home, your family, the church, or what God's doing? Okay, now, see, now we're starting to narrow it down. Maybe for you it's your emotions. What about your emotions, though? That's a big old task. That's a big old enemy. What about them is keeping you from walking in your identity? What in the inside? God is narrowing us down here. This is what we're doing. Just like in this story, God is going to show you exactly what it is so that we can get this right and you can be drenched in identity. Look at verse 19. Then Joshua
0: said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him praise. Tell me what you have done. And do not hide it from me. There's a call to bring God glory by being transparent. When you begin to be transparent, it is the key. It's the solution into overcoming your faults. It is the solution in overcoming your failures. The more that you hide, guess what? The less glory God gets the less that you are transparent, the less victorious you will be over your faults and over your weaknesses. Because transparency reveals what needs to be consecrated in order to conquer the enemy that is stealing your identity. If the police showed up as someone was robbing my home and I begin to hide the presence of the thief from the policeman, isn't it myself who loses? I'm allowing an enemy to reside within my camp that is stealing from me and I am aiding and abetting that effort by hiding it from the authority that God has put in my life.
1: Look at verse 20. Achan replied, It is true! (laughs) It's true! Man, you know what? I'm going to give glory to God because I'm going to be so transparent here. I'm going to say that this is true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. What does Isaiah 51 say? Against you, O Lord, And you alone have I sinned. Lord, I have sinned against you. It's true. When I hold on to different forms of my own identity than what you've given me. It's true. I've sinned against you. See, but today, you're going to be able to be drenched in your identity and walk in it rightly. This is what I have done. Let me tell you exactly what I did. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia. Everybody say robe. Robe. 200 shekels of silver. Everybody say silver. And a wedge of gold. Everybody say gold. Gold. Weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them. And I took them. A robe. Not like a a multicolored robe that is declaring God's goodness like a Joseph. Not a robe being arrayed in white like it tells us in Revelation. But in a robe from Babylonia. I'm trying to define myself. By actions that look exactly like the world. I have clothed man, it looks so good. You know, if only we could do this. If only I could work here. If only I could have this. If only, if only and they took it because they coveted it. Achan took it in. Silver. See, I know that I've been redeemed by Christ. I know that there was a hefty price paid. I know that there was redemption, but I'm not so much confident in his redemption for me. Maybe I still need to work for it on my own. Maybe I don't understand who I am because of the redemptive price of Jesus Christ. And so I took in that covetous thought that maybe I should determine my own path. See, the pastors, I mean, they're, we appreciate them. We love them and all, but they don't understand what I'm really made to be. They don't really understand that I'm not as certain as they are about my own calling. So I will take my own version of redemption and try to work it in. I mean, I know I'm supposed to have the divinity. I know I'm supposed to be made and think like Christ. I know I'm supposed to walk like Christ. But I'm going to take that gold because there's something about it that I want to possess for myself. Mm. And they buried it. Look at the last line. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent. Are you kidding me? Instead of cultivating the soil of their own heart. Do you remember in Deuteronomy 1 a few weeks ago? They were grumbling in their tents. What are they doing in their tents? What are they doing in their tents? Burying it within the soil of their own heart. With the silver underneath the very thing that should be defining you is that you have been redeemed by the blood, that you are now drenched in the oil and you can be drenched in your identity. But what did, this, what did Achan do? He buried the silver underneath. When you bury the redemptive work of Christ somewhere deep down on the inside of you because you just don't actually believe that it was for you, you're embezzling what God has given you. You are not able to walk in your identity rightly. When you hold on the things that God intended to be destroyed, like your own versions of these things, your own strength, you literally are bearing your redemption. You're literally bearing your identity. You're literally bearing your purpose underneath everything else. He literally buried his identity underneath it all. See, we're going to be able to be drenched in our identity because we're not bearing the things that have been devoted to the Lord. Look at verse twenty. Uh, let, let's let's keep going.
0: Let's, we'll continue verse twenty-two. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there was hidden in the tent was the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Come on. What was God doing this morning? He's sending messengers. Messengers that are running to respond to your transparency. Messengers are going to go find that redemption that you've buried, that idolatry that you have clothed yourself with, and begin to unearth it, bring it out of the tent, out of the soil of your heart, and up front, spread it before God, because transparency is the solution. Transparency is the means by which God will get glory in transforming your household that there will be an exposure of spreading out before the Lord so that there's no more private pride. There's no more self-sufficiency. There's no more compartmentalization, no more identity theft. Instead, when it's spread out before the Lord, you can then begin to be drenched in the identity that God has given you. That The things that you are burying in the soil of your heart that's idolatry is only preventing you from obtaining and being drenched in the identity He's given. Let's continue in verse 25. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heat a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. And the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. This is the only right response. That we put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to our sinful nature. And that we are able to set up a memorial and say, that's where I died. That's where I began to walk in the drenched identity that God has given me. And the purpose for which he has made me begins to be alive and displayed. That we put to death these aching parts of ourselves, not just kill them, but stone them. Not just stone them, but bury them. Not just bury them, but we're going to burn them. (laughs) I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to make you dead. There's a process that we are going to every degree to grind as fine as dust, as ashes intertwined with the earth of what remains of our sinful nature. Repentance is getting up. Come on, repentance is getting up. Try it one more time. Repentance is See, when you begin to get up off your face like Joshua did, demonstrate with action what that repentance looks like, you are then being drenched in your identity. That God can give you the empowerment to be the man or woman of God that He's called you to be. And here's the reason why. We don't want to give the devil two victories. You see, when we begin to just stay on our face. And wallow in our own sympathy of our sinful state. We are giving the devil two victories because we're not getting up to go do what he originally told us to do. We're not getting up to, to act purposely in the identity that he's drenched us in. Because as long as you're pinned down right here, you are caged. You are caged in your own self-condemnation, and that cage has to be broken free so that you can get up and begin to walk in the identity that He's given you. You know, the Lord has done this for me many times. I begin to bemoan and wonder, you know, Pastor Wade, why am I like this? And why are all these weaknesses? Why are these flaws? Why didn't God just make me perfect when I was born again? And I have no deficiencies whatsoever. That's what I was expecting. And when I fall on my face and I make a mistake, you know what God tells me? Get up. Get up and go be who I called you to be. And that's going to result in salvation for others. We wouldn't have the nation of Israel if Joshua would just continue to stay on his face and wallow in self-pity. What lives are waiting on you to get up and demonstrate repentance so that you can go bring them the
1: same identity that you're being drenched in? Come on, church. When you have, when you are drenched in your identity, you can get up. Everybody say, get up. Get up. When you are drenched in your identity, you begin to walk in this way. you got to get up. Say, get up. Get up. In Exodus 14, 15, this is what the Lord says to Moses. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to get up and move on. Somebody say, get up. Get up. you got to get up and be drenched in your
0: identity. Judges 7, 9 says, during the night the Lord said to Gideon, get up. Everybody
1: say, get up. Get up. Go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. Come on, later on in Judges in 7.15, when Gideon heard the dream, and it's an interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of the Israelites and called out and said, get up. up, up. Come on, say it with me. Say, get up. Get up. In the first verse that Pastor Matt read, God was speaking to Gideon. After Gideon saw some things, after he was drenching his identity, that he was able to turn to other people and say, you got to get up.
0: Come on say get up. Get, get up. up. First Kings 19:7 The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, "Get, get up. up and
1: eat for the journey is too much for you." Everybody say get up. Get up. Ezekiel 3:22 The hand of the Lord was upon me there, and he said to me, "Get up." Somebody say it with me, "Get up, get up. and go out to the plain and there I will speak to you." First Chronicles
0: 22:16 in the NASB Says, of the gold, the silver, and the bronze, and the iron, there is no limit. Arise. Everybody say, get up. Get up. And
1: work, and may the Lord be with you. Say, get up one more time. Matthew 2, 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. You know what he said? Get up. He said, take the children and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there till I tell
0: you. Matthew 9, 4. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus, said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, up. say, get up up. and walk. But so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then
1: he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat and go home. Come on now. Somebody say, get up. up. When you are drenched in your identity, you get up and you start walking in what God has for you. Mark five. He took her by the hand said to her talitha kum which means little girl i say to you get up this is the process of god changing your life it's the process of him drenching you in our identity It's you got to get up yeah. you got to understand and start walking forward you got to do something different you are not walking and drenched in your identity when you're sitting there you're drenched in your identity when you get up and start doing what god told you to acts twenty two ten says what shall i do
0: lord paul asked Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you'll be told all that you have been assigned to do. Paul, in this state of being born again, the Lord is speaking to him, get up. But there was a next step that he had to do. He had to go into Damascus. And what would he find as he got to Damascus? All that he had been
1: assigned to do. Church, it's not later. Somebody say, it's not later later it's now say now now see you walking in your identity is not something that you're going to be one day way off in the future yes lord we know that at the resurrection one (laughs) so far off in the future i might start to maybe barely be what you have called me to be it's now you walk in your identity now you get up now you start doing it now if our church can get a hold of this this has been the message that we have preached from the beginning In Eric and Jen's living room, in the garage, you know what the message was? The reality of the kingdom is now. You be now what you think and you're dreaming about being one day. It is now. It's not later. We're not just talking about prophecy. We're talking about you walking in your purpose. We're not talking about a wish list for somewhere way off in the future. We're talking about your job description for today. It's now. Somebody say, it's now. It's now. See, because when you have this, you get up and you walk. Yeah, You get up and you become the man, the woman that you are. You are walking. You're not even having to become. You are now what God said you are. What a difference when we get a hold of this. Yeah. Come on, Leslie, you can be now. You don't have to wait for some dream off in the future. Why can't we wait for that? Because it never gets here. I'll be happy when I get married. No, you won't. If you're waiting for that, then you won't be happy even when you get it. If I can only get this job, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. If you can't be happy now, nothing about your circumstances will make you happy. Come on, It's about now. It's not about later. It's about you getting up and walking in it. Come on, church. You have got to get this. You can't just look at me and nod. You can't just say yes, but then turn around and tomorrow, this afternoon, act like you don't have what you need. You got to get up and be drenched in your identity. If we have a church full of people, full of people who are drenched in their identity, you know what happens? We don't have enough room in this in this sanctuary. We might not even be able to get two sanctuaries. It might start to sink the whole sanctuaries because of how many people we got, because of the depth of what we've got, because of us reaching around the world like we're supposed to. It's not about later. It's about now. Look at think about Abraham. In in Genesis 17, 1, when Abram was 99 years old, you think he's got to wait on something? The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk with me. Mm. You got to get up and start walking. Walk before me and be blameless. He got his assignment at 99. How you like that? But, but the Lord is passing me by. Shut up. <clears throat> I mean, stand up. Or yeah. both. No, I mean, sh- I mean, shut up. <laughs> but Lord, you don't know my age. Shut up. Are you who he said you are or not? Then get up and walk. Yeah. Abraham was childless, childless, but drenched in identity. And so he began to walk as a father of the faithful and of nations upon this planet. you got to get up and walk now. Hey, there's also Joseph,
0: robed with a, a cloak from his father, established with an identity, received two dreams that told of what the future held. What enabled him to go from being sold as a slave to then walking as a savior? Because he was drenched in identity. He knew who he was. He was able to not let circumstance determine his identity. Instead, he remained drenched in his identity and was able to have God's glory displayed through every circumstance. every hardship, everything that goes wrong, you need to see this as an opportunity for God's identity to be displayed through you. That the purpose for which he made you, the drenching of your identity, can now be on full display. It can take me from where I used to be a slave, where I would bow down in fear. I would swim in self-pity. And now I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk as a son and as a savior. that brings salvation to everyone around me. Come on,
1: consider Jacob. He was known to be a trickster. But when he got drenched in his identity, he became and walked as a very prince with God. We need some folks who will walk as a prince with God in this place. Rahab was a prostitute. But she
0: was drenched in identity of God's people. And she walked as a righteous woman. That she was able to inherit the lineage
1: of the Messiah coming through her. Gideon was hiding in a, in a in a threshing floor. and But he became drenched in his identity, and he matched the moniker that the angel first spoke to him. Come on, mighty warrior. Rise up and walk in yeah. your warrior status.
0: Yeah. Ruth was a foreigner. She was a Moabitess, an outcast. But she became drenched in identity that enabled her to walk as another ancestor
1: to the Messiah. Come on, Jeremiah was convinced that he was only a child but he became drenched in identity and walked as a prophet to the nations. Church, it's time that we walk in exactly what God yes. has made us to be.
0: Amen. Psalm fifty-six, thirteen. Say drenched whenever you get there. For you have delivered me from death. This needs to be your identity, church. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling. That I may walk before God in the light of life. We are called to walk in the reality of divine dimension now. We are called to be drenched in identity now. We are called to be getting up now. We are called to walk in our identity now. Church, are you going to get up? Then are you going to walk? The
1: important part, are you going to do it now? Church, we have had so many of these before us. We just have just a very short amount of time left with you. Pastor, I, I, I hear you saying being drenched in identity, but I'm just not sure what my identity is. I mean, I get the importance. You're saying be drenched in identity, and that looks like, the actions from that are me getting up and walking in everything that He's called me to be. And walking in what exactly what He's told me to do. But but, pastor, I, I I'm not sure about... Listen to me. The Lord has clearly defined and given you at least 12 yeah. gates of identity. At least 12 direct scriptures that are defining who you are that tell you who you are, and not just what you're going to be one day in the future. Maybe, hopefully before you die, but maybe after, you. I don't know, somewhere later. No, it's now. You've got gates that tell you exactly who you are. A gate that tells you that you are drenched in sonship. So you're supposed to get up, and you're supposed to walk in sonship now.
0: We have a scripture that speaks of being drenched in co-heir status with Israel. Our
1: response must be that we get up and we walk in it now. You are drenched as you are seated with him in heavenly dimensions. you got to get up. you got to walk in that now, not waiting for it. Not I hope one day to be seated with him, like after it's all done. Like this morning, like right now, you're seated with him where he is. You have His perspective. You have His authority. you got to get up and actually walk in that. And you got to do it now.
0: You are drenched in the righteousness of God. This gives you the confidence to get up. This gives you the ability to walk in it now. To have that predictable pattern of the blood has been applied. Here comes the oil. And now here is my identity.
1: I'm going to be drenched in identity. You are drenched in fullness in Christ. You got to get up and you got to walk in that now. You lack no good thing. Yeah, Walk in it now. You are drenched
0: in being clothed with Christ. And you have to get up. Let His His presence, let His righteousness define who you are and begin to walk in it now.
1: You are drenched in participation in the divine nature. Somebody say divine. Divine. Somebody say nature. Nature. You are participating. You're drenched in it right now. you got to get up and start walking in it right now. You are drenched in strength
0: and all power. Say all power. All power. There's nothing that you lack in the ability to carry out what God has called you to do. You just have to
1: get up and you have to start walking in it now. You are drenched as Christ's ambassador. You are an ambassador of the sovereign of the universe. Get up and start walking in it right now. Amen. You are drenched
0: in the spirit that lives within you. You must get up and you must walk in
1: the spirit now. You are drenched in our identity as a royal priesthood. you got to get up and you got to walk in it now. Come on, you're drenched in being His glorious
0: inheritance. Let that bring revival to your soul as you get up and as you walk
1: in it now. Church, those are 12 gates that have been with this church from the very, very beginning. I have them in my cards so that I pray every morning. You know why? Because I need to remind myself of what I am Today. It helps me to get up and walk in it today. But as if that wasn't enough, somebody say, there's more. There's more. As if that wasn't enough. Well, but pastor, those are kind of generic. But what about, you know, That's those are good. But But what about for me here in this place? I think the Lord has put things before you that are defining exactly who you're supposed to be. You are being drenched in your identity here in this house. not just in the kingdom, not only in the kingdom, but you are drenched in identity here. Look at holiness or die trying. What does that mean? That you should be drenched in holiness. You should be drenched in the attitude that says I will be holy or I will die trying. So you got to get up and you got to walk in that right now.
0: You're drenched in the identity of I want to win. This is that attitude that when you are knocked down, You get up because you have the identity of I want to win and you begin to walk it
1: out. Be drenched in the attitude of we may be few in number. We may not fill an arena, but we're going to be one in purpose. We're here together. We're not afraid of anything. Why? Because we are drenched in the identity that we are few in number, but we have, we are one in purpose. So we're going to get up and we're going to walk in it now. You're drenched. In the
0: statement from Psalm 16, that my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. There's no good thing that you lack. And when you have that drenched in your identity, you begin to get up. You begin to walk in a faithfulness and a confidence
1: that God will provide. You got to be drenched in the understanding that God changes one life at a time. He starts with one life, and let it be yours. And once it's been yours, make sure it's your family. And then once it's your family, you reach out. you got to be drenched in the understanding that God changes one life at a time. So get up and walk in it now. Amen. Saints, you are
0: drenched in the identity of performing out there what you practice inside of here. Because your identity is to be the living organism, the church of the living God. You have to get up, and you have to walk,
1: And performing out there what
0: you're practicing here.
1: Be drenched in the attitude of less talk and more walk. That just says what we've been preaching all day, doesn't it? Get up and walk in it. Because you're being drenched in your identity and walk in it now.
0: Since you are drenched in the identity of DCD.
1: In all regards
0: that you don't care a damn for your own life. So therefore you're going to be a disciple that's creating
1: disciples. You got to get up and you got to walk in that DCD attitude be drenched in the identity that i need my brothers and they need me we're not going to do this by ourselves but we're going to get up and we're going to walk in it now
0: you are drenched in the identity of dying for your brother's vision and that requires you to get up it requires you to walk it out i want to want to help you guys know what to do from this point you've heard us say you're to be drenched in identity
1: I don't want us to miss this one. This is our identity. Pastor, I, I, I just don't know exactly what my identity is. Yeah, we've given you 12 scriptures. You know exactly what your identity is. We've given you 10 other monikers of the identity of this house, of the house that God put you in. You're not allowed to have a different identity than what's around you. You know why? Because God put you here. Your kids aren't allowed to have a different last name than you as a parent. Why? Because they're your kids. one life that should be drenching your identity you should be drenched in this identity that every single life matters that once we get that right it's got to impact our families or it's not real you're drenched in the identity that you have to raise godly families we are drenched in the identity that we've got to go for the nations we've got to get out of here we love it here thank you lord but we got to go You've got to be drenched in that identity so that you can get up and walk in it now. See, when you have this drenched identity, I'm not working for my identity. I am working from my identity. That is a very, very different perspective for us today. I'm not saying get up and do stuff so that you can work for it one day way off in the future I'm saying you have it and you have it now you stand up get up get up now you gotta stand up you can't tell me that you know about your identity when you're not getting up and walking in it That's not identity. That's not being drenched. That's trying to work for your identity. We're saying as a church, we're shifting and we're shifting right this minute. No longer is it acceptable for you to try to work for your identity. As if it's somewhere else, some other time, some other place, some other day. It's today. It's now. We're going to work from being drenched in our identity. And you watch what happens in your life.
0: Here's an attitude that we're gonna take it's here and it's now. It's not there and it's later. It's here and it's now. Say it with me, church. It's here. It's now. Come on, it's here and it's now. Mighty God, we declare that you are the God of heavens that wants to drench us in
1: identity. We thank you, Jesus, that it's here and that it's now. Our identity is here and our identity is now, mighty God.